Our second reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 to 22. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Thank you, Cameron. Well, the theme today is indeed the peace, peace of the cross. Today we are celebrating the birth of the only true, truly capable peacemaker that will ever have been born. Of course, it's our Lord Jesus Christ. We uh, finished uh, last week's sermon and uh, service with the words from Numbers. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That peace is also what Isaiah wrote about when he says the punishment that brought us peace was on him, Jesus. But let us pray before our Father, by this Holy Spirit's guidance, and indeed, through the name of the Son, let us pray together as we were taught. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today is maybe, of all things, the best day to remind ourselves of the result that comes from Jesus being born in the first place, that of eternal peace with the Father, achieved through the atoning sacrifice of his one and only Son on that dreadful cross, in Jerusalem so many years ago. Jesus had even told his disciples in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. It's not just any peace either, is it? It is a peace that no man can bring about, as Paul also understood fully and wrote about in Philippians. He wrote, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, beyond comprehension. It is important we accept the truth that man just simply cannot bring about peace, not the sort of peace that Jesus speaks about. At best, at the very, very best, we can maybe say that man could bring about some sort of truce, a pause in the fighting between man and man for a period of time. But man cannot establish peace with the Father. Hence, the Father had to send the Son. And here we are today, celebrating his arrival on earth to fulfill his ministry of peace. Let's call it for what it is. It is the peace of the cross. In verse 20, we have, And though Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's what gave us the peace. There is no doubt the most infamous declaration of peace was probably that of Chamberlain in 1938, coming back from Munich and meeting with his mate Hitler, declaring to the world, I have achieved peace in our time. <laughs> yeah, months later, the world was fully involved in World War II. The prophet Jeremiah also speaks of such false peace in chapter 8 of his letter and the lack of repentance of the people, but mostly the lack of repentance of the prophets and the priests. And he compares, indeed, their sinfulness to the wound in their people. He writes, they, the priests, dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. We have over the centuries, we've had uh, peace conferences. We've had peace treaties. We've had peace processes. And we even had peace accords. And we all know that all they have ever achieved by all of those is to dress the wound, the wound that caused it. They, of course, the world leaders, have never, ever stood up and publicly acknowledged what the root cause of that problem of war is. That, of course, of man's sinfulness and rebellion against the Father's words. And you might also rightfully ask, of course, in that context, why would they? They can't do anything about it anyway. It's not theirs to be doing anything about. And, of course, we would be right, but the one thing they could do was stop demeaning God and grabbing for themselves an authority to which they have no claim whatsoever. That's at least they could do. Sadly, it is a human condition. It's a condition that had been in place since the day in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve stepped out of line. See, every human being, every born, is a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve. And with that, of course, when we are born, we enter this world 
literally in an allegiance with the enemies of God. As we read in verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, we are born that way, sadly. I also remember a time prior to receiving the Holy Spirit when I would have had this feeling of guilt, this feeling that nagged you. My conscience would make me feel uneasy, and I didn't even know why, but I knew there was something there that wasn't right. And it doesn't take a genius, however, to arrive at the conclusion that we actually live in a world that is full of problems, a world which is at war with itself. It is, however, only the elect, God's elect, who will come to understand that there is a way out of that problem. Jesus once taught the disciples in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker, and peacemaking is also known to us as reconciliation. Verses 19, 20 speaks just like that. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. To achieve a reconciliation, someone has to start the process. It doesn't come by itself. It is also worth reminding ourselves that as Jesus died on the cross, it kind of didn't change our mindset that much at all. Left to our own devices even, we would not and could not change our mind about God even if we wanted to. We would continue in the perpetual rebellion against God was it left to our own devices. And if men and women are to be reconciled to God. God must be the one that actually takes that first step and brings us home. It is always only on his, God's initiative, that this peace process will commence. That first step for you and I is the arrival of his Holy Spirit in our hearts by the grace of God making it possible for you and I to actually understand that also what we read in verse 20, which says, through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, that is you and I. You and I are reconciled to God. God's not reconciled to man. It is we are reconciled to him, by him. And he is, and he alone, is the one that has the heart with a strong enough love to even want to have us reconciled to him. It is his love that is all conquering. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He was atoning for, he was defeating and overcoming sin so that you and I could be reconciled to God. As we're told in Isaiah 53, 5, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are reconciled. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death that presents you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. No guilt. There's peace and reconciliation is complete. There is nothing more to be done. 
there's nothing more to be paid. The gift of life has indeed been fully paid for by Jesus on that cross. So when we search scriptures, nowhere can we find any teaching that reconciliation is a gradual thing that happens over time and maybe could be completed sometime in the future. There is nothing in the Bible that will teach you that. It is done. The victory has been won, not will be won. It has been won. It was done. Jesus said as much whilst on the cross and dying. He said, it is finished. See, you and I still need to come and stand at the foot of his cross to place our full trust in him. It is only by trusting in the finished work of Christ that anyone can experience and find the peace of God. Peace with God is not the end of the story, however. Everyone who has peace with God must also live with peace with man, brother and sister. And by his death, Jesus gave you and I, indeed, he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Paul confirms this truth to us in 1 Corinthians. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, and he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. The gospel is that message. For this to have any effect here on earth at all, we must also understand the process that comes from that. There are things that need to be said and need to be done. For you to comprehend your deepest need for Jesus to die for your sins, to pay your price and take your punishment, my punishment, you would first arrive at the understanding that you have done something wrong and that you are unable to pay the hefty price that is indeed required to achieve that peace. And so it is with our human relationships too. If I have wronged you in some way, I may not even be aware of it. It's simply who I am. But then you have to love me enough that you will come to me and tell me and give me the opportunity to repent and ask for forgiveness. That's exactly what God did for you. He gave you his scriptures. He gave you his Holy Spirit. And he opened the truth of your sins to you that you understand who you are. That is some of us is not easy. Not because you are clever, but because he loves you. God took the initiative to get all this thing happening. In the Bible, we have times when godly men have had disputes, fighting with each other, such as we find in Acts 15. It happens. Paul and Barnabas, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. We have nowhere in the Bible that those two men were ever reconciled to each other. But what they did do is they continued to serve the Lord by taking the gospel into the world. That is the prime purpose. For man to be reconciled to man is not always possible. 
we now know that. But when we then read Hebrews 12, 14, we are told, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We are to do everything that we can to make this happen. Paul showed us this in also in Galatians. He had another little dispute there with Peter. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. Is Paul a troublemaker? Absolutely not. Paul had this deep, deep love for the Lord, and through this love for him, he also loved those who belonged to the Lord and did everything he could to live in peace with them. But most importantly, Paul wanted people to retain the peace so dearly won for them by Jesus on the cross. He did not want his brothers and sisters to stray and walk away from it. Isn't that, isn't that what we all desire? For our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we stand firm, that we stand up for God when we are called upon. So we have over the past four weeks, we've been studying the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and the command that he left us in that passage. And then we studied 1 Corinthians 1.18 and the power of the cross, what that achieved. And last week in Luke 23, we, have, we talked about the heart of God the heart of God that caused all this, that made it all happen. And here we are today celebrating the birth of Jesus and the price that he paid for us to secure us peace with the Father. It's through the atoning sacrifice on the cross of Jerusalem. To the Pharisees, all this was the ultimate sign of weakness. To the Athenians, it was simply foolishness. But to you and I, the birth Life, work, and death, as well as the resurrection of Jesus, is the ultimate outpouring of love from God. The ultimate. It was a mercy and a grace in his heart that made our reconciliation possible, securing the peace of God through the cross. Verse 5 in Isaiah told us, He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought you and I peace was on Jesus, and by his wounds, you and I are healed. Well, if you understand the Bible, you'd be humbled, wouldn't you? If you understand the Bible, you'd be rejoicing, wouldn't you? If you know the Lord Jesus, you will have the peace of God in your hearts. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore. Merry Christmas to you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we come to you to thank you for your word. We thank you for your entire scriptures, for your Holy Spirit that guides us. We thank you for calling us together into fellowship, that we as brothers and sisters may love each other as you love us, that we may care for each other as you care for us, that we may indeed stand with each other 
as you always stand with us. May this Christmas be a turning point in our lives that tomorrow we'll live a better life than we did yesterday. And may it all be in your strength, by your word and the guarding of your spirit. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.